Everybody, good morning. How are you? Hey, thank you so much for being here this morning. I uh, really appreciate it. I saw the rain this morning. I went, oh, no. Uh, but I uh, uh, appreciate everybody making the effort and the time to be here this morning. I hope uh, I hope it will be an inspiring and encouraging event for you. Certainly excited about what we have planned. Uh, <laughs> um, certainly excited about what we have planned. So, um, we're going to go ahead and start with a word of prayer. Um, and uh, Tom, if you don't us. Thank you, Tim. I want to say welcome to each one of you. Great to have you with us this morning. Apologize for a few of the glitches we had with coffee pots and electricity, but our outlets kicked off this morning. We thought coffee was brewing. It wasn't brewing. So when you leave here this morning, each of you will have a gallon of coffee to be able to take with you back to the office because we have 250 pots of coffee brewing back here, uh, 50-cup pots of coffee brewing. So anyway, apologize for that. Thank you for working with us and understanding that little glitch this morning. I bring you greetings from Mike Long. Uh, he is alive. Uh, we have seen him. Uh, he's appeared. Uh, he is taking it kind of easy, though, still at this point, and uh, wishes he could be here with us this morning, but is not able to be here just yet. He's working on uh, what he calls part-time at this point, which I'm sure is longer than most of us would consider part-time, but he is trying to get back into the swing of things, but continue to keep Mike and Terry and the family in our prayers as he can use his healing. Let's uh, bow our heads for a time. Father, we do thank you for all that you are to us, all that you mean to us, all that you've done to us. We can always count on you to be there. Even though you're the God of all creation, the God of wonder, we know you care about us. And that we can turn to you with our individual needs. We know you're going to be there to hear those needs and respond to those needs. Thank you so much for loving us. Thank you so much for caring for us. We're grateful for this group of men that has made their way through the rain this morning to, to be here with us. Thank you for their faithfulness. We pray, Lord, that you will bless their faithfulness this morning by making your presence known in this place. We thank you for Jason and his ministry with our youth here on this campus, for all that he has done to bring growth to that ministry and to enhance the lives of our youth parents that work with them. We pray, Father, your blessing upon him as he shares his story with us this morning. Lord, may we open our hearts to hear the word he has to share, that it might speak to us, and that we may in some way relate to that story. Father, we pray that you'll help us to move from where we are to where you want us to be. Sometimes we find ourselves stuck in the mud and out of treading water, not sure what the next steps are, but Lord, challenge us. Move us to be men who are passionate disciples of Jesus Christ, and willing in all things, through our work, through our homes, through the life of the church and our communities, to always give up our best for we pray for all the needs of the men around these tables this morning. We know that all of us have our stuff, things going on in our lives, from healing from injury to the possibility of surgeries or health concerns to just things going on that we find weighing on us heavy, Lord. We pray, Father, that you would remove those burdens from us, that you'd make your presence known in our lives in such a way that you give us comfort, that you give us peace, guidance, and your Thank you, Father, for being there for us. Thank you for your faithfulness to us. Help us in all things to be faithful to you. We pray now you're blessed upon this time. We're grateful for the, the food and the drink and all that's been provided for us this morning. We're grateful again for Tim's leadership. We pray your blessing now on all that's been done to prepare for this moment. And ask, Lord, that you come into our midst and make your presence known to the very special. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, first of all, I want to I want to I want to thank y'all for being here today. Um, very very grateful uh, very grateful for you making it. Um, I, I just wanted to share just real quickly. This is our second 
uh, second time that we've gathered is the Mena REMC. And I just want to, a um, couple of logistic items I just want to touch upon real quick while we're here today. Uh, first of all, at your table, um, there's a sign-in sheet. And I would ask that uh, if you, when you have a chance to pass that around the table, please provide your information so that we can um, uh, know that you're here and, and, and be able to communicate with you in the future about upcoming events. The second thing is uh, there is a there is a, a, a flyer, if you will, uh, that speaks to the uh, uh, the mission of the REMC mentor, and also provides information about future details. A couple of things that I'm just going to read. The mission of the REMC men's group is to encourage men to take the next step in the walks of faith as we journey together. Our prayer is that our time together will become an impactful and irresistible worship experience through which the Holy Spirit will radically transform hearts. And I talked about it last uh, last year. We've got a wide spectrum of, of uh, men here in this room today. Some men have been walking uh, faithfully with Jesus uh, for decades. Some that may just start walking. And wherever wherever, wherever we are as men, hopefully through our time together with one another, through the messages that we'll hear, you'll be encouraged to take that next step. And you'll be surrounded by a group of men that, that you know are here with you to help you do that. So, very excited about that. Um, along the way, I just want to share a quick word and uh, say hello to a special guest. Along the way, as we kind of put together this men's REMC men's group, uh, God has affirmed kind of the direction that we're heading and that this is indeed something that he wants us to do here at this church. And he's, uh, he sent various people on the way to encourage me and he's sent all of you here to be here today. And I had the pleasure, uh, on Sunday of having a, uh, meeting with a gentleman. I want to say, introduce him, Al Waters over here. Al, if you would mind, uh, uh, Al is, uh, Al has just moved to the Roswell area from Daytona Beach, Florida. And uh, he had the opportunity to share with me. He had seen seen the announcement about the REMC men's group. And he talked to me. He led the men's group at his church for 43 years. Uh, it became very apparent to me in a very short amount of time. This man has a heart for God. And he, he spoke to me very passionately about the impact that the men's group at his church had his own walk and in, in the walk of others. And I pray that we can have that type of impact here. So, Al, thanks for joining us today and you, appreciate Al. the wisdom you passed along. So, um, so as we're putting this together, and you'll see that we've, uh, we're trying to meet first Thursday of every month. We've got the list of, uh, uh, list of upcoming speakers here. Um, as I was, uh, I, I talked to a number of people, Rusty, Mike, Tom, just asking a lot of people opinions about, you know, who should we have speak to the men's group? I said, we're looking for people that are passionate disciples of Jesus Christ. We're looking for people that are making passionate disciples of Jesus Christ. We're looking for men of this church. And one of the first people mentioned every time I asked was Jason Scott. And um, I'm really looking forward to uh, hearing from Jason today. Um, as somebody that uh, has, has children in the children's program, not quite yet the youth program, um, it's a great opportunity for, for those that don't get to see you at work in your ministry um, to hear a little bit more about you and hear about what you're doing in this church. Certainly God is doing great things through you, and we appreciate your leadership. Without any further ado, just I want to give it over to you. Thank you.
Uh, I'm excited to be here today. I want to thank you guys for the, that uh, undeserved uh, introduction. Um, to take your Bibles out, we're going to do an exegetical inductive study on Habakkuk. What? Okay, maybe not. <laughs> you have something against Habakkuk? I don't understand. Um, when I was asked to tell my story, I, I had thought about this group, who's going to be here, uh, and I have my my thing that I say every time, you know, your story, your 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 way of doing it, and your your journey. Um, and then I started thinking, most of you, I probably came to your Sunday school class at some point in the last year or two, and have shared that, uh, so you may have already heard that part of it. So I could ramble on about um, my alcoholic parents and uh, coming from a divorced family when I was nine years old. I could tell you uh, about my brother dying of a uh, alcohol-related car accident. I could tell you about my both parents being in, in rehab. I could tell you about my mother dying of an alcohol-related uh, uh, medical condition. I could tell you about me being tossed off to my grandparents, my grandmother when I was 13 years old. Could tell you my super long sob story, but I'm not going to do it. Instead, I'm going to challenge you this morning in a different way. Um, first, I want you to know that my journey to become a passionate disciple began on August the 4th, 1987. Know the date, know the time, know the location. Uh, attending a camp as a youth, as a 13-year-old, Camp Sumatanga in North Alabama, uh, went down and... Uh, Prayed a prayer, uh, felt my heart strangely warmed, whatever you want to say, as a good Methodist we could say, uh, did the deal as I was, when I was, I was a 13 year old. Um, then my journey continued on July 15th, 1992, when I was 19 years old, and a friend of mine, uh, and I just had a conversation, and he said, you know, Jason, I'm, I'm done with this way I've been. I feel like there's more to life, and I feel like I need God in my life more than I have right now. That conversation sparked something in me to say, yeah, you know, you're right. And so right at left, leaving his house, right on the side of the road, I pulled over on the side of the road, began bawling, talking about, talking to myself, talking to God about how I wanted the same thing. And so from that moment, decided that my life was his and that uh, I, whatever he wanted, that's what I would do. Changed my major from architecture to religious studies, and so, you know, I, again, I can tell you about all that stuff, but to preface what we're going to do today, I want you to talk. Um, I'm going to give you five minutes around your table, and I want you to answer three questions to each other. I want each one of you to answer the question, because I want each one of you to know your story. I want you to have a story. You can pass if you like. I would rather you not, um, but for us to get to know each other, as the men of the church to get to know each other, you have to share. And some of you, this is the most uncomfortable thing you probably have ever done. So, you know, oh well. Um, but here are your three questions you need to answer. What was your life before Christ? How did you receive Christ? And what is your life like after receiving Christ? Okay? Pretty simple. Pretty easy. But you have one minute each to tell that story to each other. You got it? No. One more time. It's pretty easy. You got a BC, you got a Christ, and you got an AD. What is life before Christ? Accepting Christ, what was that moment like for you? And then what was the after Christ like? What is your life like now? Hint, 
There's supposed to be a change in there somewhere, okay? So somehow there should be something different. Um, I'll give you a hint on how you can answer that one. Uh, some of you grew up in the church. You don't have a Damascus Road experience. You don't have this conversion story. You grew up in the church, and you did everything you're supposed to do, and you did confirmation, you did everything by the book. Awesome. Tell your story, okay? Because there's nothing wrong with that story. And I praise you for that story. So some of you can't share all the details of your story because we're in church and we understand because uh, that would be really bad. We Please don't. We're not asking you to do a full full diverge of information here. So please uh, please don't do that either, okay? So anyway, you have one minute. Uh, each person, so six minutes total. Ready, go. All right, as we begin to uh, wrap up, I want you to uh, know that these stories and this opportunity doesn't have to stop here. Uh, our mission as Christians is to share our story, um, and we—it's a, it's a great topic. You know, when I was asked to come speak, I would—I was thrilled because it's my two favorite topics: Jesus and myself. So, um, and we all love that. Um, but I want to share my story in a tad bit different way, if I can. Uh, my story has three parts. Like your story should have three parts. Your before, your during, and your, and your after. Um, but, but my three parts is a, is a tad bit different. My favorite person in the Bible is, uh, Paul. Used to not be. Used to be Peter. I used to just love the idea of Peter and his burliness and his just don't care and he's kind of a big dumb animal really, so. But the more I studied, the more I, the more I like Paul. Um, Paul was humble, Paul was uh, bold, Paul was, uh, beyond anything else, a passionate follower of Jesus, um, who a man who sacrificed his life, his own, for the greater good, for the good of Christ. Um, but more importantly, Paul had a couple of relationships that I like to pattern myself after. Paul had a couple of relationships with men, that sounds funny, I didn't mean it that way, um, that I think we all should pattern ourselves after. Uh, first was Barnabas. Paul had a, uh, a really cool guy in his life named Barnabas. Many of us know the story of Barnabas. Uh, but in uh, Acts 9, we, under, we begin to understand who Barnabas is, and that he was this older guy who took an interest in Paul. If it had not been for Barnabas, Paul would have never gotten to where he was in ministry. Uh, he would have never gotten a chance to probably be a leader in the church in Antioch. He probably never would have been able to uh, do a lot of the things that he did. But because Barnabas saw something in Paul and reached out to Paul and was basically his mentor, um, Paul grew in Christ, grew in stature, and grew in favor of the community, of the apostles, of the elders, of the church, of everybody. And so my challenge to you first is that you should find a Barnabas. Some of us, um, that's tough. They didn't necessarily mean a Barnabas has to be someone older than you. A Barnabas could be someone who you just respect and admire and then you can learn from. Um, to pour into you. To pour into uh, you as a man and you as a Christian. Things we talk about to the youth a lot. That we should have someone older that we look up to and that uh, is wise and that can lead us in the proper way. Um... We have wisdom to share, all of us do, um, and there are always younger people who are watching you, always younger people who are looking, 
all these younger people who need to learn. Um, the problem lies, as it did with Paul, when we begin to think we know more than our mentor. Uh, Paul and Barnabas split ways because, in my opinion, because Paul got a little too big for his britches. Um, that's not in the Bible, it's just my opinion. Um, my Barnabas was a guy named Bill Etheridge. Bill was my youth pastor when I was growing up, go figure. But he was also my preacher. Uh, small church, 120, 140 in worship on Sundays. Um, he came as I entered middle school, seventh grade. The summer before I started middle school, he started at our church. And he left two days after I graduated high school. So I was very blessed. Uh, not a lot of us have that time span. We deal with youth directors leaving and coming and those kind of things in, in the youth world. And it's, it's, a, it's a major part. But I was blessed to have someone literally start the summer I started in the youth and left two days after I graduated. Um, and his life pouring into me meant the world to me meant, uh, really means I am where I am today. Uh, growing up in, in the family life and the situation that I grew up in, uh, I do not know honestly where I would be if it had not been for his influence in my life. Some of you have those same people. You can think back who that Barnabas was in your life. Um, and I've done this on several occasions. Told him how much I appreciate him and his influence in my life. And I would say for you to do the same. How much would it mean for you to call up that person uh, and say thank you for what you've meant in my life? Um, as an encourager, because that's what Barnabas was. That's what Barnabas' name means, uh, an encourager. And that's what he did. More than anything else, he sought out people and found people that he could encourage in the faith. Are you doing that today as a man of God, as a man of this church? Are you doing that? Are you seeking out people to encourage, especially the younger people? So we all need to be a, be a Barnabas to somebody. And we can do that. Uh, i got a lot of kids across the street I can hook you up with if you, if you want to be a Barnabas to somebody. Just let me know. Uh, secondly, uh, a relationship that Paul had was Silas. Uh, we should seek out a Silas. Um, life's tough, and though we feel like we're we're alone in this world, there are a lot of people who are going through the same things that we're going through. Uh, and Silas was that for Paul. I mean, he was even his jail companion, right? So, um, so that's how how deep their relationship went together. Uh, but I always have seen Silas as the one who kind of uh, kept Paul at bay, kind of brought him down to earth. Uh, Silas didn't see Paul as a superstar. Silas saw Paul as his friend, uh, an accountability partner, and that's what we should have, someone who is where we are in life, who can keep us accountable, who we seek after to keep us straight, who we seek after for knowledge, for just... Just even for venting sometimes, we need that. Um, Paul is the single greatest influencer of Christians and the church. Uh, would not be here today if it had not been for Paul. But he wasn't alone. There were a lot of people helping him along the way. Uh, and Silas was one of those guys. So we should be that. We should find a Silas for ourselves. Um, someone that we can share life with. Sorry guys, not your spouse. We gotta find somebody who understands what it's like to have a spouse who just absolutely will not listen to us. <laughs> who is, who is always right. Always right. Um, and so we have to know, are there other people who feel that same way, right? We gotta find those people out. Um, in Acts 16, we start learning about Silas and Paul and their relationship 
uh, as it stood while they were in prison. And together, they did some amazing things, even while in prison. Probably the most famous prison ministry ever, right? Uh, I mean, pretty awesome that you can break the walls down uh, with your prayers. So uh, that's some real good male bonding for you. Um, my Silas was a, a friend of mine named Griff Pemberton. Griff, uh, he and I still speak today. Uh, best friend growing up in, starting in middle school. And the aforementioned friend that I talked about who told me that he needed to change his life. Um, and that kind of influence on me uh, was pretty pretty awesome. Uh, he is now a pastor in South Alabama um, as well. But he, um, he's he been through some times. We've, we've, we've been through times together. He is uh, a divorced pastor as well, so it's pretty tough in the church and understanding what that goes through. Um, so uh, we've gotten to, you know, do life together, uh, even from afar. Uh, but uh, we still talk at least once a month uh, about life and about things and about church work and our amazing bosses that we have and what it's like to just <laughs> serve under men of God who just <laughs> pour into us so much. Is that enough? <laughs> Uh, I have my evaluation later this morning. Um, <laughs> finally, Paul's third relationship, and probably his most famous, was Timothy. Um, it's the one Paul was most proud of. He talked about a lot. He bragged on Timothy a lot. Because he learned how to do that from Barnabas. And had a great example in doing so. Timothy was the younger person, was somebody that Paul could find himself pouring into as well. Um, Paul spoke so highly of Timothy in his writings. Um, and you know, sometimes that's not as easy as it sounds. Um, because most of us don't have people, well, most of you, I do. Most of uh, you don't have people just cowering at your feet wanting to learn from your wisdom. You know, I have that every day. Um, across the street, kids are just like, it's like Pied Piper. Wherever I walk, they walk. They just, tell us more, Jason. Tell us more. Um, but. If you find yourself in that relationship, if you find someone who uh, is interested in what you say for some reason, um, embrace that relationship. Um, because. What you can give those people is amazing. So each of us in our life should have a Timothy, not your own children. You know, not those who you're called to do as, as, as your duty as a parent to, to influence and involve, but others, um, especially in the church. Um, and, and it's probably even more weird to go up and ask some kid, hey, you mean to pour into your life? You know, that probably doesn't really work real well either sometimes. So, um, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, jail is usually where that happens. Um, but God places people in our lives if we are perceptive. God will place uh, younger people in our life. Or, as Tim even said, people may not be necessarily an age thing. It may be someone who has just started in their faith. could even be older. But someone that you can pour into uh, as, a, as a man of God, as someone who's been through it. Um, the difference is Timothy sought out Paul. Um and Paul, in his infant wisdom, used a, a wonderful method with Timothy and how he learned, how he poured into him, how he talked to him. 
Uh, it wasn't just about his teaching. It wasn't just him saying, I have this wonderful knowledge, and I'm going to bestow it upon you. No, Timothy, um, or, or Paul's training came from actually from a multitude of, of ways. It came from instruction, but it also came from implementation, observation, and evaluation. To have someone under you, studying, doing, even if you have been in management, you know the same thing applies. For those who are, are serving under that um, it's not just a amount of, of dictating over or supervising, but leading and directing and involving yourself in what they do as well. Um, if the person is worth your time and effort to instruct, and you're truly training for their good and not your own, not your own ego, then you should invest in them by being honest with the implementation and the observation and the evaluation part. Um this is where my story gets a little bit different. I don't have a Timothy right now. Uh, I haven't had a Timothy in about five or six years. Uh, used to. Used to have these guys all the time. Um, either just starting out in ministry um, or youth who were older, who were thinking about going to ministry or whatever. Haven't had that relationship specifically in about five or six years with students. Um, but I had... Uh, a guy named Clay in my very first youth group. I was 19 when I started. He was 18. And so I didn't have this wise wisdom, but he did uh, want to be around. And I did have something to impart to him. And he's now ministering youth, and he was the youth ministry coordinator for the North Alabama Conference. So, I mean, he, he's done real well for him, um, for his life. And now he's in serving church in Pensacola. Uh, Josh was my second church. Josh... Um, is now a pastor in god-awful Tuscaloosa, Alabama. <laughs> we call that a missionary. Um, Gabe, uh, Gabe actually came and spoke at AYL last year. Gabe serves now at Mount Bethel. He's leading a homeless ministry uh, from Mount Bethel, downtown Atlanta. And uh, and then Guy, my church before I moved to Georgia. Um who's still about to graduate college and is going to go into, as an engineer, going to go serve internationally to help others. Uh, I forgot, engineers for Jesus or something. I forgot what it's called. Um, it's going to go to Haiti, actually, and, and work on rebuilding Haiti. Um, but now, for the last four or five years, what I've seen is is my Timothys are my is my staff. We have some amazing uh, people serving this church across the street. And I've seen it as my opportunity and my duty to not just supervise them, but to pour into them and to uh, lead and direct them as I, as I have these other people. So my challenge to you is this, is who is your Barnabas? Who is your Silas? Who is your Timothy? Who could be? Um, what's it going to take for you to get to that point? What's it going to take for you to reach out and search out those relationships for your life. Someone that can pour into you and lead you. Someone that's where you are in life, that you can relate to, that can keep you accountable. And someone that you can pour yourself into, that you can lead and help become a man of God. Well, we're going to do some discussion about that, let you talk about that. But, you know, it's kind of an obscure thing, so it's, it's kind of tough to talk about. And the people you talk about, everybody else is not going to really know. So that's a you thing. So instead, what I thought I'd do, uh, before we close out, last five minutes or so, is just ask, see if you guys have any questions for me. If you have any questions for the youth ministry, for what we do across the street, for me personally, um, whatever. And if not, 
We can pray and eat more donuts. <laughs> Whatever. Jason. Yes, sir. What grade are the kids going through confirmation? Seventh grade. And that's a change, right? It was. We When I first got here, we were doing sixth grade. Uh, and apparently, a couple years ago, they were doing seventh grade and they switched to sixth grade. And then uh, we switched back. A couple of reasons. Uh, mostly just for a timing issue. Um, since we have AYL, our big uh, weekend in February and the spring, we moved it to the fall. And so to move it to the fall meant we were going to skip a group. And so instead of skipping a group, we just moved it to seventh grade instead. Um, it also gives them a chance to get into the group and get settled first for a year before they uh, they start the program. But we have 69 seventh graders finishing up confirmation this week, their last class this week, uh, and then confirmation Sunday will be next week. Yeah, really excited. Yes, sir. What can we do as a church? One of the things I know about kids that do confirmation, we have all these parents involved and the students drop off a lot of times. Anything we can do to help you keep them entrenched in church? That's been our number one priority for the last three months was to try to integrate and involve those kids in the life of the church so they can see. We moved confirmation from 11 o'clock to 930 for that purpose. We were doing it at 11, but all of our programming is at 11 o'clock across the street. And so that meant they were not only were they skipping out later, but they didn't have any idea what we were doing because they were missing it all because of confirmation class itself. So we moved it to 930, and then they're sticking around afterwards. Uh, and it's not been as successful as we had hoped. They're still leaving at 1030. Um, statistics say, even in our church, that somewhere between 50 and 60% of the kids who are going through confirmation will not be here, you know, six months from now, a year from now. That a lot of the parents, uh, it's a, something to check out their list. They do, and we'll see them again on Senior Sunday when they graduate high school. Uh, it's a shame. And it's, it's not just, uh, that's not just here. That's, uh, that's, that's across the Methodist church. Uh, but, you know, we're trying everything we can to stop that process. Uh, and it starts with the kids. It doesn't start with the parents. Um, if any of you have children uh, and they say they want to do something and they put up a, enough fight, especially if it has to do with church, most of the times you'll give in. You know, you'll do whatever it takes to get them there, hopefully. And a lot of these parents aren't that way, but we know that if, if the kid wants to go bad enough, then they'll come. If the parent wants the kids to go bad enough, you never know. Um, so, yes. How many kids do you have in the uh, youth group, and how many parents? Um, first question we got pretty easy. We got around 250, I'd say, um, 200, 250 that are in small groups, in D groups that come. We have a, a good problem to have. We have a a certain morning crowd and a certain evening crowd um, that aren't necessarily the same people. So getting the two of them to come at the same time sometimes is a little difficult, but we have uh, about 250 uh, unique kids coming through the program or so. Um, Parent-wise, I'm not sure. Can't answer that question. Um, probably something we should know, but we don't have a lot of just community kids or drop-off kids or those kind of things as I've had in the past. We have a lot, of, I would say the majority of the people we have are kids who are parents attend our UMC, but then again, they might just not come that week. They might come drop them off, but they're not considered a what we would call a drop-off kid. So I would say 80% of them probably are UMC members or it's Indies. Yes, sir. Six through twelve. In years past, it seems like there have been these, uh, you know, the the 
going through the Python kind of thing where you have these bubbles. You've got a bigger group, and I mean, is that still a dynamic? Oh, it is. It is, and it's and we and everyone thinks it's a wonderful thing to have a group that large that will come in and just you know they're 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 a wonderful asset to the ministry. And really, in reality, it's really tough. We have a graduating senior class this year who pretty much annihilated the youth group for the last two or three years. Um, the classes before them and after them have just not been good because all the attention was on that group. Uh, I would say we have probably 50, 60 uh, rising senior or, or seniors this year who are even active, you know, which is very unusual. Uh, and we have four 11th graders. Four? Yeah. It just You can just see this tidal wave, and they just crush everything that goes through. You know, and, uh, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty intense. There's more to that 11th grade class. There was some transition that happened during that time. There was some, uh, some other things that went on that, that, that went with that, with that group as well. But, but a large, a large part of it has to do with that class just. So will it be better or worse when the, the, when the 12th graders? Plead the fifth. And the reason I ask is, I've got a ninth grader and a sixth grader. And they're kind of, they've seen that. You know, mm-hmm. didn't affect them when they were in kid zone, mm-hmm. and they see that some of it's positive, some of it's negative, and, mm-hmm. and so it's a constant battle to try to make sure they engage. But yet, they're overwhelmed sometimes by kids that aren't. Well, their peer they are lucky. That's two of our best groups: ninth grade and sixth grade group. Uh, just size wise and the group dynamics, uh, the excitement those guys are bringing um, is a really good group. Really good, especially ninth grade guys. We have some amazing leaders. One of our one of our best leaders we have. Group leaders is Jesse Adams. Jesse came through this church. Um, came up, grew up in RUMC. His family didn't go to church here though. Um, and he uh, he's now one of our. He's in college, about to graduate, but he's also one of our D group leaders and just loves those ninth grade boys. He picked them up a couple years ago and has just done an amazing job and has grown that group just wonderfully. So I give him all the credit to that. Jason, I'm not sure how many people know that you're in a process towards ordination. And uh, tell us a little bit about your call. Just take a minute. And mm-hmm. Just tell us where you are in that process so that these guys sure. are able to pray for you. Now, um, part of the story that I told and the, and the pulling off the side of the road and those kind of things, the, the pulling off the side of the road was, was my moment, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, a lot would say was that was when, you know, I really understood what the Holy Spirit was. That's when, that's when, uh, Whatever, born again, whatever phrase you want to use, whatever thing you want to use, I just know that that's when I got my life right with God. Um, what spawned from that was me getting involved in a campus ministry in the little small college I went to that I was forced to go to because I had an academic scholarship. My dad said, I said, I'm going to Auburn. He said, no, you're going there because you got a scholarship. I'm like, great, thanks. Um, so what spawned from that was me being involved in campus ministry, um, which then allowed me to do a summer mission program. So, again, my little small town of 12,000 people, my little small church of 120 people, um, went to Orlando, Florida that following summer to serve as a, as a missionary. Um, and I was on a performing arts team. It was like a drama team. Went around and did some stuff and human video things and great sign language movements and all. It was, it was awful. Um, but it was so 1992 though. It was so 1992. Um, so we went there for the summer and, um, and I got to go around to these churches in Orlando, like First Baptist Orlando and, and Christ in Orlando and First Methodist Orlando, just humongous churches that I'd never seen before. Um, and they had these people that were called full-time youth pastors. You are kidding me. I mean, I can do that for a little, well, 
and make a little bit of money. Sorry, Alan. Um, then, then that's awesome. And, and that was really my calling was knowing that, that, I remember my preacher was my youth pastor. The biggest church in town, the choir director was the youth pastor. We never had anything called a full-time youth pastor in my town when I was growing up. And so didn't understand what that was, didn't understand what that meant. Uh, so by going there, by being a part of that, by having that experience, by doing all those things, you can look back and see what God did and, and the pattern of events that laid out and that I went there for the summer. And um, after coming back from that, I knew that that was what I was supposed to do. Hits from that, 23, 4, 5, 6, 5, 3, 2 years later, I'm still in seminary. Um I, uh, it's been a start and go and stop and go process. The, the wonderful thing about youth ministry is that you get to see so many places and, and move around so often. Um, you know, John Wesley, one thing I admired most about John Wesley, I gotta stop here a second. One thing I admired most about John Wesley was, um, the story I always heard about him. When he started out in ministry, he made what was equivalent to about $30,000 a year. As he began to sell books and make his name known, he made over a million dollars a year. But he never took a salary greater than $30,000. He would always give it away. That's an amazing thought. But most of us aren't like that. So as as we grow, we have to, especially in the youth world, we have to move from church to church to move our salary up because the church itself is not going to do that. So to make enough money to provide for your family, you have to move from church to church to church. You know, that's your own promotion happens when you move that way. And so that's what's basically happened. Uh, started seminary and then couldn't do it because I was, I was, had to move. So we started, finally got the world of online, uh, education. And so now I am six classes away from finishing, uh, two semesters. I uh, didn't go this semester, um, but I will start back in the spring, hopefully. And I'll just have two semesters left. And then beyond that and the candidacy process and everything else, I should be this time next year wrapping everything up, hopefully. So, yeah. Right? Yeah. Thank you guys. Thank you, Jason, for that encouraging message, and uh, certainly very inspirational and also very entertaining, so appreciate your sense of humor. Um, real quickly, we're going to hand it over to uh, Mike Phelps. I uh, want to thank uh, thank Mike for being here today, and want to thank him for his service to the church as well. And Mike, if uh, we talked about we want to be here and we want to we want to encourage men to take the next steps, and uh, Mike's going to profile a couple of opportunities that just might be the next step for you. So please listen closely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here on this rainy morning today, and thank you for serving. Um, particularly, I want to thank Barney Burroughs. Is he here this morning? I don't see Barney. Um, we've been looking for the last year to find um, the right mentor for Homestretch. And at last month's meeting, after the end of the meeting, Barney came up to me and said, I want to do that. I can be that mentor to that family. And we know he's going to make a tremendous impact on a struggling family right here in Roswell. So we're, we're grateful to him for that. Um, I've got some great volunteer opportunities, service opportunities for you for this month. Um, the first is our fourth annual Thanksgiving meal. It's coming up here at RUMC on November 28th. That's Thanksgiving, um, Thursday. The meal is from 12 to 2. 
and um, we need lots of volunteers. It's a great opportunity for you to serve together with your family, um, to come and enjoy the meal. Um, we're going to have um, people from all over the community coming um, to that meal, um, and a lot of church members too. There's a lot of folks that it's it's just a great opportunity. There's a lot of church members that might not have family to uh, to have a Thanksgiving meal with. So all are welcome, and we need lots of volunteers, greeters, servers, people to set up and break down. Um, the next opportunity is is here on campus. The RUMC preschool playground needs some attention. Um, it needs to be pressure washed. It needs to be cleaned. They have a walkway that the the surface has peeled off of it, and they need some some help to to pressure wash it, clean it, and to get a new um, non um, non or a, how do I say it. Um, a sticky surface applied to that, um, something with texture. So um, if anybody has an I- any ideas for that, we could really use some help just to make it clean, up-to-date, and safer for the kids. Um, another opportunity here, this is one we really need help with, is van drivers on Sunday. Um, we have 24 um, senior church members that are living in assisted living homes right here in Roswell that want to come to church and can't get here. Um, and that's a real shame. Again, these are longtime church members. And frankly, we're, we're losing some of those church members to other churches because they're able to provide transportation to their churches. So, um, it's, it's not a huge commitment. Um, it's something that you can do, um, in between Sunday school class and, and the church service. So you won't miss worship. You won't miss, um, your Sunday school class. It's one day a month. Um, so please consider that option. Um, and something I just found out about last night, this isn't on your sheet, but on November 16th, um, we are involved in another Habitat, in another Habitat for Humanity project. Um, we originally had seven slots for that. Um, we've got, we filled all of our slots for that position, but, um, some of the other churches need help filling their slots. So we've got probably six to seven openings on November 16th to help on the Habitat for Humanity home. Um, that home's located in Woodstock. Um, it's from the project is from 7:30 a.m. to 3 in the afternoon, and it's a pre-landscaping project. So please consider that as well. Thank you again for serving. Thank you, Mike. Um, a couple of things that just logistically. So uh, one, if you would, there are some. Uh, do we have some flyers on the uh, at each of the at each of the tables? Um, if you have some interest in that, or if you know somebody that might not be here today that may have some interest, you please take one of those flyers as a reminder. And please uh, circle back and connect with Mike um, regarding those opportunities. The second thing is, um, and, and coming back to uh, actually last month, Rusty talked about just the importance of a personal invitation and the, the role that that played in his faith walk and how he has grown because different people have asked him at different points in his life to take the next step. There may be somebody in your family. Uh, there may be a good friend. There may be a neighbor. There may be even somebody in this church who could really use this group. And I would ask you, if you would, please take one of these today at your uh, at, at your table. And uh, when you go from this place, one of the things that uh, Rusty charged us to do last time is find somebody, just one person today, and tell them what you did this morning. Tell them what you did. And if you would, please bring this. Tell them what you did and Ask them to consider joining you next time. So, hope you guys found this to be of value today. Um, this is not just a gathering. We want to have an impact. Okay? Um, so, if you'll do that. Uh, just real quick, we're going to um, we're gonna do what we did last time with regards to closing prayers. Um, 
I'm going to add, I'm going to take a, just a minute, and I want you to introduce yourself to somebody in this room that perhaps you don't know very well. And I would like you to share with them the one prayer request that you have on your heart right now. And for the next month, they can pray, pray for that for you. And, uh, in turn, they'll pray, they'll pray. So, we're going to take them, take a couple of minutes. Please find somebody new. Share your prayer requests. And then, uh, we're going to ask Jason to close us in prayer. Thanks.